Hello, my fellow sovereigns, and welcome back to another episode of The Princess and the Bee. I am so honored to be here with you today, and especially because I have an incredible guest. And this podcast, I have done over 170 episodes and had so many amazing guests on. And this guest stands out for me with the level of vulnerability and truth that she brings to her story. This guest is Victoria Kleinsman. I was blessed to be a guest on her podcast, The Body Love Binge, Food Freedom and Body Love Podcast. And when Victoria and I connected, there was this energy that I knew that she would bring to this audience. And I, whether you have struggled with food issues or had body image issues, or if you were like me and had a full-fledged eating disorder, Victoria so compassionately holds the space for those who are struggling. She's been there. She has successfully recovered from anorexia, bulimia, binge eating disorder, and abusive relationships. And the, her power is in where she is now and how she shows up so loving, so vulnerable, so honest, so compassionate. And I know that's going to radiate through to you. And I hope that in hearing this interview, it inspires you to be more vulnerable, compassionate, and open with your story and your struggles in order for you to be that testimony for what's possible for others. And now I give you Victoria Kleinsman. Welcome to the Princess and the Bee podcast, the place to be to build your empire as queen of your body, business, and life. I'm your host, Kimberly Spencer, founder of crownyourself.com. And I'm an award-winning coach, Amazon best-selling author, and multi-passionate entrepreneur. Each week, I give you the systems, strategies, and success stories to help you master your mindset, communicate with ease, and triple your productivity so you make the income and the impact you deserve. Imagine this podcast as your weekly spark of inspiration as you take it to the next level with all the bees of your life, body, business, bank account, boys and babies. Let's make it rain. Hello, hello, and welcome back to The Princess and the Bee. I am so excited to be here with you today because we're diving into all the bees around your body and your belief system. And if food started with the bee, that would be a bee that we'd be diving into too because I have Victoria Kleinsman here with me today. She is I was blessed to be on her podcast and Victoria, like that was such an amazing experience. I felt so connected to you already. So I just, I can't wait to dive into our conversation. Oh, thank you for having me, Kimberly. And yes, everyone go and check that out because I was in tears when you were sharing that story and it just brought me so much like love. So please go and check that out. And it's an honor to be here. I'm excited for this. Now, Victoria, you have battled anorexia and bulimia and binge eating disorder, many things that I'm very familiar with as well. And you've survived domestic abuse, again, familiar with that as well. So tell us a little bit about your journey and what got you to where you are today in in an amazing, thriving relationship with your fiance. 
Yes. So I have been through the thick of it and, you know, we all have our own story and I want to validate everyone listening or watching this, like, because I used to compare my trauma to someone else's trauma. And I would say things like mine wasn't as bad as this. Like, I just want everyone to know that whatever is traumatic to you, whether it's with a capital T or not, that's like valid and your feelings matter. So I'm grateful for my trauma now, but it started for me. I cannot remember a single memory in my whole entire life, apart from in the last four years when I've worked through this work, where I looked in the mirror and was happy with what I saw, or having a normal relationship with food. So when I was nine, I started dieting with my mom. And of course, my mom was doing the best she could. And she was just doing what she'd learned from her mom, etc. We know how that goes. And I wasn't a big child. I was a very active child, but I was so close to my mom. And I've learned recently through therapy that it was a very codependent relationship that I actually wasn't aware of that because I was in it for so long. So I copied everything my mom did. I wanted to be my mom. My mom, I was like my mom's savior in her world because she'd experienced trauma, all of these things. So I copied everything she did. So from the age of nine, we were dieting together. Um, Many of you are aware, and I know you've experienced this for yourself, Kimberly. dieting doesn't really, and when I say doesn't work, I mean, it's not sustainable long-term. You're going against your body. We end up rebelling and binge eating and all of those things. And that's what happened to me and my mom, but we would do that together. So it felt kind of a normal thing. It's just what you do. You diet and then you binge and you diet and then you binge. And then as I progressed, as I got older, when I was 13, I was diagnosed with anorexia. I took the dieting too far. The binging, of course, then stopped. And it's it's a very odd time to think back to because it's a mental disorder, as you know. And I genuinely didn't want food. There was no like willpower needed. It was like a switch went in my brain and I just didn't want to eat anymore. And through therapy, I understand that I was trying to kind of disappear. I was so like out of tune with my body. And actually it was a way without me realizing it to connect to spirit, to connect to goddess, because it's almost like you're so empty. All you have is a connection to source, which is almost death, actually. Fast forward a few years, I healed physically. I would say around within three years, I was physically weight restored because of um, the therapy and the force feeding and all of that. It was a very difficult time. I had a lot of guilt around that because my mom developed depression. I say because of me, because of the situation, she couldn't handle it. I mean, I'm not a mom. I know you are. I can only imagine how that must have been from a mom standpoint yeah Um, I mean when something's wrong with your kid it's it's like there is a a fear of like did I do something wrong like mm -hmm. it was there something that I could do to fix it and yeah and I can only imagine what my (laughs) what my parents felt as well having me with my own battles and that that challenge that comes because you just you just want the best for your children yeah and she she did and so she suffered as well and then I put that all on me it was all my fault but then I just couldn't eat normally and I took on a lot as a as a young child and as I say I physically weight restored of course it was always in my head like I was scared of food but I was so monitored like my mum was watching me like a hawk like which was a good thing because otherwise I probably would, wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be alive. I didn't realize it was that extreme. I didn't want to admit it, but it was. But I then felt a lot of like 
hate, I'm going to use that strong word hate towards my mom because she was making me eat. And that was the last thing I wanted to do. So I was clearly and closely monitored for many years after that. So it went from like dieting with my mom and like restricting good and well done for not eating this and let's celebrate weight loss to the complete opposite. Like you need to have enough. You haven't eaten enough. Eat this, eat that. And it was really confusing for me as I was growing up. And then again, fast forward a couple more years. When I was 19, I fell into a physical and mental and emotional abusive relationship. Of course, again, as you know, Kimberly, it happens very gradually. It's not like it's not like you just meet someone, fall in love, he hits you, and then you're just like, oh, I'll just stay then. It's like... Yep little tiny things and you're in love and he'd say things like as an example oh don't go out with your friends tonight like we're gonna go to London we'll stay in this hotel I'll take you shopping and as a 19 year old he was 34 so he was a lot older than me that's very like convincing and then all of this stuff happens gradually and during that relationship because of the abuse I didn't go to my sister's wedding I cut all contact from my family and my mom which was I can't actually believe that happened. I turned to food because food was the only thing I knew that brought me comfort, even though I'd had a very disordered relationship with it since I can literally remember. When I was binging before the anorexia, that brought me comfort and safety and yumminess and like, um, like it's like I'm okay. So that made me feel that way. So I chose food and then I was diagnosed with binge eating disorder So we've gone from anorexia to binge eating disorder. Food did bring me comfort. And I've understood now that that was like a lifesaver for me. And I needed to go through that. Then I left that relationship after six years. And that is a story in and of itself. It's it's quite a, not a humorous story, but it's a story to tell for sure. My mom did help me get out. And of course, if you want to ask me that, we can go into that. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's that's a big question, especially like, when you've been in a relationship for so long. And I mean, for me, I was raised that when like, when you find someone and that's your person, like I saw my parents literally go through everything and they were married until my dad died back in January. Like they, so I thought I grew up with this perception, this belief that when you find that person, that's who you're with. And like, I would make the ultimate commitment. I did make the ultimate commitment and I did get married and ran off when I was 22, 23. I pulled totally pulled a Britney and it was in a very <laughs> abusive relationship. I remember my dad commenting like, cause he didn't know that I had actually ran off and gotten married. Everyone just thought I was engaged. And he said, he said, he would hear us arguing constantly. And he was like, that, that's the guy, that's the guy you're going to, that's the one you're going to marry. But uh, because like you, I love the fact that you pointed out that there was those tiny little tears of like mm-hmm. those tiny little things of comments and suggestions and things of like, why don't you just not go out with your friends? Or why don't you just change the the dress that you're wearing? Or, you know, why don't you maybe not show off your, you know, that for me, it was don't show off your body so much. Um, and so it was those type, those types of comments that eventually like, there's almost nitpicky critiques that just kind of started to build up. And I think that when you've been in a relationship, depending upon the length, I mean, I was only in that relationship for like almost a year and a half, but for six years, for 10 years, I have some clients who've been in narcissistic or abusive relationships that have gone on for almost decades. 
And mm. how do you break free from the belief systems of, and the attachments that you have to that person? Yeah, great question, because I want to just talk a few things around this. Kimberly, thank you for sharing a bit about your story as well. So you're so right. It, it would be boiling hot in the summer and I'll be wearing a strappy top and I have big boobs just putting it out there. I just do. So no matter what you wore, they would be visible because, you know, I'm not going to wrap myself up. You know, he would he would have wanted that. He would make me like. I mean, now the place where I am now, I understand that nobody can make you do anything, but I was scared for my life. Like I am going to share this on this podcast. Like, okay, one time the police came looking for him. Um, my dad, I was still in contact with my dad and they tried his old address, which was next door to my dad to find this guy that I was with. So my dad pre-warned me. So long story short, he got taken away. But before that, he quickly decided to tell me the police are going to come. They're going to take me away. There's a gun hidden under the floorboards. You need to go over the fence and bury it in the woods. Right. I'm not sure if I can share this, but I'm just openly and honestly sharing this. So I found myself at like three in the morning and my heart's like literally racing now from the memory, burying a real gun in the woods like a fucking soap or a movie. And I was doing that because I was so scared for my life. Like I was, I would do, he would say, jump off a cliff. And I'd be like, okay. Like I was so brainwashed by this guy. So that happened. And then little things like I dyed my hair black because he didn't want me to be blonde because apparently blondes get more attention. And he liked it when I ate loads of food because I put, I put weight on. And then again, like fat phobia, I mean, gosh, this is most of my work. That's another topic I'm sure we're going to dive into. But unfortunately, society sees bigger people as less attractive. And so all of these things were happening. I was 19 when I met him. My self-esteem was literally like, I didn't have the self-esteem to stay with him in the first place, but it was just getting lower and lower and lower. And I didn't know who the hell I was. And funnily enough, after three years, so after halfway in the relationship, I think this is really important to share. I left for a brief amount of time. So I left him. So the time I left halfway through, we lived in an apartment. And so it was like a few floors ahead. So there's a reason I'm explaining this. He never used to hit my face. So when he would hit me, he wouldn't usually hit my face because then people could see. So it would be everywhere else. But this time he totally lost it. He had gone to pick up something from my old bedroom in my dad's house, found an old quality street tin of like old photos when I was like a teenager. And some photos I was with a boy, a boyfriend when I was like 13, 14. And he apparently I was a slut and a slag because he saw these old photos when I was a teenager with another boy. So he came back to our apartment like absolutely fuming. He totally lost it and he did hit my face a lot. So he locked me in this apartment for like two days. So he took my phone. I couldn't get out the window because I was high up. I was too scared to shout out for help because I was literally like a little, I was half of what I am now, like less than half of who I am today. And there was one time on the third day, he was on the phone when he was leaving the house because he was allowed to go and do whatever he wanted to do. I was like a prisoner and he forgot to lock the door because he was distracted. He was on the phone and then his car drove off. And again, my heart, like the body never forgets, right? My heart's racing now as I tell 
we remember what it felt like and I thought oh my god this is literally an opportunity for me to to go and so I took my little dog I had a little toy poodle who is still alive and she's with us today and she was my lifesaver and I just ran down the street and the first thing I came to was a hairdresser's and I ran in and I mean, God knows what I would have looked like. And I, it was, it's very like blurry to remember now. And I just tried to speak through my tears and hyperventilation. Like I need to use the phone to call the police. I called the police. I hadn't spoke to my mom and dad in like two and a half years. My dad by text message, but not, I'd not seen him or had a relationship with him. My mom was on holiday. My dad was on holiday. They were divorced. So they weren't together. But at that point, I literally, Kimberly, I didn't care if I died. I was like, I'm so done with this I just need to get help and so I did go to the police station my mum flew back I went to her house and I was free from him although there was a restraining order he was following me everywhere like hiding behind bushes this was for about two and a half months then he caught up with me behind this bush with all the tears I'm really sorry I've been to anger management training this is the truth I'm better now I love you let's try again you can see your family I promise uh, and there I and off I went again because my comfort zone was abuse. Yeah. So even though my conscious mind and this new life that I'd had for a few weeks was like, wow, I'm so happy, I'm free, I'm like living my younger life in my early 20s. I only understand this now I've done the work. My unconscious mind was craving and missing the abuser, the abuse. I felt safe in that, even though it doesn't make sense. I know you understand. And so I went back to him and yes, for a few weeks, maybe a month to six weeks, everything was like unbelievable. I had a relationship with him. I did see my friends and then it gradually goes back to how it was. And the ironic thing is, I don't know if ironic is probably the wrong word to use. I found out when he said that he'd been to this anger management training he was actually on holiday with his ex-wife and children in Lanzarote and the police told me that one time when the police were questioning me and I was like how the f was I so naive in everything he told me you couldn't write this shit anyway three years later I would have been 20 yeah I would have been like 25 and his son was living with us, his six-year-old son, and he wouldn't stay in bed. And um, I don't want to say the guy's name. The guy who I was with kept saying, if you get out of bed again, I'm going to turn the TV off. And there's a reason I'm sharing this story. And he, this young boy, bless his heart, came down about 20 times. The TV never got turned off. So mm-hmm. I haven't got children, but you need to set boundaries so the children understands like what to expect and something inside me just absolutely lost it not at the child but I stormed upstairs took the plug out of the tv stormed back downstairs and just sat there and the guy who I was with something shifted within me in my power I've just I don't know what happened. I just felt like I'm I'm not taking this anymore. And the guy I was with saw that change and he didn't react with violence. And that tiny little spark of like, oh my God, I actually think I have power within me. Like 
for me to react that way and him not abuse me gave me that bit of like spark and hope. So after that night, I was messaging my mum in the bathroom. He used to have a screwdriver to open the bathroom so he could see what I was doing in there. But I would secretly be messaging my mum like, I know you don't believe me, but I really want to leave this time, but I need help. So it was my intuition just literally saying, what the F are you doing with your life? Like, seriously, look at your life. You're 25 years old. Like, take a look around. Like, is this what you want for the rest of your life? And I was like, absolutely not. And I don't, I can't even explain it. It was, it was source, spirit, goddess, just literally like she'd been tapping me and nudging me for so many years. And this was just like, I could not ignore this feeling. So behind his back, it took a week to organize. Like when he would take his kid to school, mum came round And this is the funny part. She came round and helped me get all my stuff. He came back because he forgot something. So this guy came back to the house. He just obviously saw my mum there and all, all my suitcases and all my stuff, like quickly trying to get together. And he didn't react with violence because he was scared of my mum. Like he was this big, high, almighty criminal and abusive person. But he was like petrified of my mum, which is why he wanted to separate me from her because he knew she knew what was going on. He just cried in front of me and my mum. And I even felt sorry for him at that point. And then I left and I did change my number. We went to court. He got a suspended sentence for battering me all of that stuff, but that is behind me now. And I actually saw him, um, how many years ago would it have been now? I saw him about four years ago. And I was like, oh shit, my heart is like racing. I didn't see him to speak to him. I saw him in his car. And then after he, like he, he passed, I just thought, I feel sorry for him now. Cause he hurt people, hurt people, right? Mm-hmm. Yes his actions were very damaging and that's not okay. I'm not saying any kind of abuse is okay, but the work I've done, my heart has just expanded and I just have so much love for like myself first and foremost, which is a story like I've had to you learn how to love myself. Again, remember how to love myself, actually. We already do. It's not something I have to learn. And I just have so much love for him. And actually, I would like to meet him, I think, and just have a conversation and be like, what was going on for you? Because there was a lot going on for him. There's a reason why he was doing those things. But that's how I left, basically. Huh. Yeah. And and the beautiful, like, oh, my gosh, there's so many parts to your story and just how you you have come so far from mm. that experience and the the love that you've cultivated, first and foremost, for yourself and for others. I mean, I had to... I came to that other side as well with with my dad and the love that I had for him, even that like there was, I mean, I there are copious amounts of angry journals (laughs) raging at him from basically 17 to 26. And then after that, something shifted where I just I just saw the hurt, the pain, how how sad it was that he was still living by the same behavior and how sad it was that it really was his inner child that Mm. the hurt part of him that was not seen or that was abused that that was the one that was acting out and Mm. i think when we can see people beyond the 
abuse, especially when they've done something to us that, that Mm -hmm. it's not saying that it's some, it's that what they did was right in any way, Mm -hmm. No, but it's, it is being able to see beyond. I think that's when you kind of realize that you've evolved beyond the trauma of that experience. How did you get to the point? What tools, thought patterns, beliefs, did you learn or, and grow into it or remember that allowed you to love yourself? Wow, this was certainly a journey. I just want to touch on something really quickly to wrap up the end of that. And then I'll definitely go into my story of self-love. So when I did leave him after that story, I fell into the gym and I Mm -hmm. found the gym for the first time ever. And it was my thing. It was like, because I I wasn't even allowed to go to the supermarket by myself, like in this relationship. So it was literally like I was an actual prisoner. So to be able to walk into a gym by myself being allowed to because I allowed myself to do that and then work on myself all the because I didn't have therapy for this straight away all the anger all the upset all the everything that was inside of me for six years came out through the gym so I was an effing machine like I mean, my ego loved the fact that people were like, whoa, like she's another level training. And the reason for that is because I had all this like fire and anger that because I was such a sweet little girl, I didn't express it to anybody. I just did it through exercise. So that's when the bulimia came because my body happened to change really quickly. I literally, I was doing fitness modeling. I had all the abs, like 9% body fat. Like I looked insane But behind the scenes, well, first of all, I wasn't emotionally stable because I was just like having to channel this somewhere. So it wasn't a normal relationship with exercise for sure. It became obsessive. I would start starving myself because in the fitness world, honestly, the fitness world messed me up more than anorexia. And this isn't to say the fitness world is all bad. Of course it's not. I love fitness. I'm so into my fitness now. But that really led me to look at my body in a different way. Like it wasn't just thinner is better. It was thin is better. But then you've got to have muscle here and shape here and and all of that. So I fell into starving myself in the day and then binge eating again. But because I was petrified of gaining weight, because I also represented gaining weight with the abuse, I would try and like counteract it through purging, through laxatives, through exercising, and that happened. So my self-love journey actually only started four years ago when I went on holiday to Egypt, funnily enough. I know before we press record, I've just shared with you, I've been on holiday to Egypt. Yes, I'm so jealous. I, I've, I've been learning so much about the pyramids and I'm like, I was like, I found out that you can horseback ride around the pyramids and that is that is yeah. now a Trello board of goals because that is going to happen. Period. Do you horse ride? I, I used to when I was a kid. Yeah. And it was, it was something I just, I love horses. I was a unicorn in a past life. It just. Mm. <laughs> oh yes, me too. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. So actually I just galloped on, I'll send you some videos. I galloped on the beach this holiday, like literally a proper Arab, um, like an Arab, you know, the, the breed of horse, the Arab, yes. all this desert, miles and miles of desert in front of me. And we was just, just freedom yes. is like I can't even describe the freedom of that feeling but and being on a horse and doing it yes oh yes I did that in in Galway on the beaches of Ireland and yes it's amazing an experience definitely but you have to be able to learn you have to be able to know how to ride because it's a lot harder than it looks you can't just 
get on a horse and gallop without any, you know, it can go up to 40 miles per hour. It can be very fast. Mm-hmm. Um, so Egypt is a special place to me. It's a very spiritual, spiritually guided place for me. So either way, I went to Egypt on holiday. And I think it's important to briefly share the events that led me to that because it really fits in with my story. So again, long story short, I was with um, my boyfriend at the time when I booked the holiday to Egypt, like six months in advance. It was very unusual for me to book the holiday. He would always, he he was such a sweetheart. There was nothing wrong with our relationship. He just wasn't for me in the end, but he would always take lead. He would always treat me. He would always book holidays. But again, for some reason, and this was before I knew what the word intuition even was, I was just sat on my bed and I just had a feeling like, I'm going to book to go to Egypt and I'm going to pay for my boyfriend, Josh, at the time to go with me. And so, yes, long story short, we broke up. So I was the lead passenger on this holiday, meaning I could still go because I could just invite a girlfriend and she could just do a name change. So that was the first step, because if he had booked it, he would have gone with someone else instead of instead of me going. So off I went to Egypt. I met a Dutch man who I'm now engaged to and we've just set a wedding date for next year for 2023. So it's like getting closer. He was also in Egypt on holiday. He had gone by himself. He was an entrepreneur. He just wanted to get away. He took his laptop and off he went. And the way we met was just like it was written in the stars. You couldn't even write it like the hotel resort was so big. If you and I went at the same time, we probably wouldn't even see each other. Right. So we met in like a really bizarre way. And then we had such a great like time on holiday. I was a little bit like, thanks for the sex. Bye, if I'm being honest. And then when we left, he was like, I'm going to come to England every weekend to see you. I was like, kind of "Mm, really. okay, whatever. He came to England every weekend for three months without missing one weekend he flew on a Friday and then flew back on a Monday like obviously this was all before COVID and I fell in love of course then I moved over here to the Netherlands because I thought F it what's the worst that can happen and he was into personal development he introduced me to the first book I ever read since school actually and it was called The The Subtle Art of Giving Not Giving a Fuck (laughs) what a great book what a great book so I read that um and then my personal development journey started this is a long story but it's really key and so again I got a job in the Netherlands I couldn't speak Dutch we live next to Germany so it's not like we live in the city where everyone speaks English so I got a job cleaning toilets student toilets and student showers there's nothing wrong with that but I just want you to all get a picture of like most of my life I've worked with horses I was buying and selling horses in the UK I came over here just it was an effort moment followed my heart didn't make sense but followed it anyway and there I was and I was cleaning toilets listening to a podcast again I've never listened to podcasts ever but vowed to introduce me to this new personal development world that I was becoming quickly obsessed with right as I know you are as well and yeah, people listening to this are as well. So like validating and celebrating you for better and wanting to better yourself. And I was listening to a podcast called The Model Health Show by Sean Stevenson. Have you heard of this? I, I've heard of Sean Stevenson. Yeah, it was his yeah. podcast. And he had a guest on Cynthia, Cynthia Pascal Garcia. And she was the founder of the Institute of Transformational Nutrition. 
And I, a light bulb moment, like epiphany went off in my mind. And I was like, oh my God, I need to become a health coach because I was still wrapped up in an eating disorder. I was, it was harder and harder to hide because now I lived with Bouter, but I was still very lean. I was still purging and starving and binging. And I thought this will fix me. Like I thought, tick in the box. If I do that, I'm then going to be healed, which of course it doesn't happen like that. And then maybe I can help other people. And I signed up for that certification. Like it took me six months to do all the modules and then have the test and get qualified. And throughout that journey, I dived into personal development, hired my own coach, intuitive eating um, coach. She introduced me to spirituality. And then everything like all combined for the last four years, I am where I am now and I still have a long way to go, but I'm obsessed with learning. I'm obsessed with getting to know myself better. How did I love myself? It wasn't like one thing. It was loads of little. First of all, I needed knowledge. There is an actual an actual world you can live in that doesn't revolve around constantly trying to be smaller and look better. You can love yourself without looking a certain way. And first of all, that was like, whoa, okay, I need to explore this. Like, how is that possible? Then I learned what beliefs were. And I had a hell load of limiting beliefs to like work through. I invested in myself. I think this is so key with a coach, with all the group coaching. I was investing with money mindset coaches, spirituality coaches, business coaches, intuitive eating coaches, like every single bit of money I earned, I was just pouring it back into me, which is showing myself in the universe that I'm worth it. Like all this abuse that I've had. And I was like, coming out of that like oh I'm sorry if you please like do you mind like this kind of little like not wanting to take up space and I feel like a burden or like a pain in the bum for somebody gradually I've stepped into like the queen version of me and I fell in when you when you was on my podcast like I fell in love with your brand of the sovereign self crown yourself like that speaks to me like I can't even describe because crown yourself I was waiting still four years ago for a man on a white horse to -hmm. come galloping in to save me like all the princess things in the Disney things turns out you can only save yourself like I get emotional now and when I realized that even Valter who my fiance who is incredible he was a perfect mirror for me because he didn't save me I thought he was going to which is why I moved here he showed me how to save myself. And that's now I'm in a place of like deep, infinite self-love, even when I mess up and I get stuff wrong. And as many of you know, I struggled with bulimia and my own issues with eating and fitness and dieting and all the things are related to the body. My relationship really sucked. And it was actually through the body that got me into coaching. It started me on a 10-year journey teaching Pilates and put me into a leadership role there. And it also allowed me to discover how to rule my body and heal the relationship that I had with my body. And I have to say, while those 10 years of going through that sucked, the past 10 years, over 10 years, actually, 
And these past 10 years, having had two beautiful babies bounce my body back and built an amazing relationship with my body, I have to say that I love my body and rule my body even more today than I did 10 years ago or even when I first created the course, Rule Your Body. Rule Your Body was the first course I ever released with Crown Yourself. And to this day, I still receive messages from how it has helped serve and support people in understanding the language of their bodies and how to reprogram that relationship that they have with their bodies. So for our Princess in the Bee listeners, I have a special offer for this episode only where you can save 22% off of your self-study course to rule your body. Grab it in the description below. And now back to the episode. Of course, I'm human. I can love myself through that. And it's it's loads of, I'm happy. I've got so many tools and strategies I can share for like body image, self-love, food freedom. Like, so I'll try and rein myself in and try and actually give one <laughs> because I've got so many. Oh no, former, like you past life unicorns can't be reined in. <laughs> You're right. They just can't be reined in. So, so a, a few are perfect, like would be amazing for body image because i know for me after having two children naturally there every time i look in the mirror i'm like goddess fucking goddess like there's no way i could ever even imagine going back to the to the girl who just wanted to disappear into her bones like because i know that my body has physically been a portal from the spiritual realm into the physical realm Mm. there's no way i'm messing with like any sort of crappy beliefs around this temple like not at all but i wasn't always here and i remember on on my journey specifically when i similarly i i found pilates where you found health coaching Mm. and it was through pilates that I was able to have a space where I was like, I finally found something where I was able to figure myself out to a degree and feel good in my body. Hmm. So, so what are those, are the tools, like, let's look at a physical tool, an emotional tool, a mental tool, and a spiritual tool. Let's just hit all the, the four quadrants. Perfect. Okay. Physically in terms of body image, mirror work is really key. And this can be so so challenging because I remember and I'm so grateful I've been through what I've been through because I remember like yesterday what it feels like to look in the mirror or see yourself in the mirror and feel disgust and that is such a strong word and I feel so sad that I genuinely felt that towards myself but I used to shower in the dark so I didn't have to physically see any part of me and that just just breaks my heart because I celebrate my body now even the cellulite that I don't particularly love but it's part of who I am so I'm gonna love it unconditionally I don't love it aesthetically but there is a difference so the first key that really helped me like kind of really accept who I am and that includes your physical body because yes we're not our bodies but it's our home for this lifetime so if you work with it it's a lot easier to live your life and if you're constantly fighting yourself was to create a sacred safe space. So the word safe is really key here. So anyone that wants to try this, I really recommend you do this every single day, at least three to four times a week. Lock your door if you can. 
tell your partner, kids or whatever, like distract them. Just so you only need like 10 minutes to do this. Lock yourself in your room, make it inviting, warm. So turn the radiator because we have our radiator off in our bedroom. But I turned this, I turned it on half an hour before to prepare. So, so you feel comforted. I lit some candles. I turned the lighting off. I shut the curtains. I made myself feel safe, as, as safe as possible. And then I would go to the mirror. First of all, I'd have to close my eyes and take a few deep breaths because honestly, the anxiety that used to come up in my physical body when I knew I was going to be looking at myself, it was like, <gasps> like, it, this is going to be feel so the same so thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Especially when I was in dance class, I was like, <laughs> I don't want to look at myself. I don't want to see my form. Yeah, I completely understand. Yeah. And so it's to feel safe in your environment. Take a few deep breaths so your central nervous system starts to come into rest and digest. And then open your eyes. This is to be done naked if possible. If you're really uncomfortable with that, then bra and pants. And if you really can't do that, then start off with clothes. Whatever. It's all about getting outside of your comfort zone, but being in your window of tolerance as well. Like there's no point taking a massive brave leap if the anxiety you're going to experience is way worse than the growth you'll experience from getting uncomfortable. So it's all about baby steps, but you are going to be uncomfortable end of and I used to start at the top of my body and note and work down my body any judgment I would notice and I would separate myself from that judgment and again this takes practice and say for example I would notice a judgment like even towards the wrinkles I have to in my eyes I would notice a judgment and then apologize to myself and tell myself something nice about the thing I just judged. So as I was going down my body, like my arms, I had a big thing about my arms. I've got big arms. I've got muscly arms and I hold fat around my arms. So I would notice the judgment, close my eyes and apologize to my arms. I'm grateful for them because I can, I can hug my mom. I can hug my partner. I can hug my dog. Like I can eat with my arms, you know, like gratitude and then I would think of something like I loved about my arms even if it was the softness of my skin and I would do that from head to toe tears came up a lot of anger at the beginning to be honest I would stand there and be like this is stupid like I would be my inner child would be all defensive and this is stupid then I'd get angry and tears of anger like just allow whatever comes up to come up and be okay with that so that mirror work practice, again, every day, if you can, it may not seem like at the beginning it's helping because you're going to be met. You're looking in the mirror, like not just emotionally, but physically, you are seeing yourself for who you really are. And that can be very uncomfortable and very difficult. But I guarantee if you stick with this process, you will notice a shift because you're allowing yourself to be seen by you. And you're apologizing to yourself and sending yourself love. So I'd say that was, yes, as emotionally involved in that, but that's like a physical trick you can do. That's a powerful physical one. Yeah. Yeah. I remember I didn't do mirror work. I did um, S-factor pole dancing. And with S-factor, unlike other forms of pole dancing, S-factor has no mirrors. And it's all about the sensations and the feelings and the somatics. So it was the first time in my life that I'd ever actually like touched my body and like touched it and 
like played with being sexy because that was mm-hmm. something that was not it was shunned in, in my growing up years. So I I by instead of seeing it, I saw it through my hands. And mm-hmm. so I was allowed to I finally was able to like touch my body and feel it and feel how it moved. And I remember my pole dancing instructor saying, You've got a lot of fire in you, because I was angry a lot. But I was able to use dance and non-choreographed dance, just dancing to move your body to feel it to allow the anger to process mm. through the through the physical movement and like grabbing onto a hard metal pole really helps. <laughs> yeah, that sounds amazing because movement is so key, isn't it? Like as you shared on my podcast, like energy is um emotion is energy in motion. And we have so much stuck emotion within us. Movement, allowing that anger to be expressed through movement which you use the dancing and I kind of use the exercise. It kind of, it really does help. Yeah. 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 Runs were uh, a huge savior when I was uh, in my relationship with my ex-husband Mm because that, that was just my space of moving meditation and where I'd allow myself to push myself. So the, the movement is so key. So I love that you also have like touching yourself and looking at yourself in the mirror and acknowledging those pieces of you because there are so many pieces sometimes that we forget to acknowledge or don't want to because our body doesn't feel like a safe place to be. Mm. Yeah, that word safety is key. And of course, like there's, that's why the power of one-to-one coaching is so powerful and transformative because I can, I'm going to continue giving you these, like these tips and things that I would love each and every listener and watcher to do. But if you're met with like yourself, extreme unprocessed trauma, like you've processed yours, but there's a lot more deeper work to be done with someone who you feel safe and supported with. So if you are doing this work and you're coming, you're meeting yourself with like extreme uncomfortable emotions and childhood stuff, you don't have to work through that alone. Like reach out to Kimberly, reach out to me, reach out to someone who you feel safe with and who you resonate with. And we can help you work through that because self-love is available to each and every single person on this earth. We are born with it. We're born loving ourselves and we unlearn that as we go through life. So it's your birthright. So it's possible for you. And some people listening just don't understand how, but it is, you just might need extra support to get there. So this, the point in I'm sharing this is like, you're not alone and please reach out. You can get that, I promise you. Yeah, a mental shift that I would like to offer. So we've done physical. The next one will be mental. This was really key for me. What we our past experiences, our conditioning is how we see the world. So our reality is our perception of the world. And so whatever we um, perceive, we're projecting onto onto other people as well so what I mean by this it lets you bring up the word sex and intimacy with my partner because I judged myself about my cellulite I decided well he must be judging me the same way that I'm judging myself because I can't get my head around it him not being I would also decide that if Kimberly saw me naked she would also be judging my cellulite because I can't see any other way because I'm judging myself. 
So even though knowing this and having this as a mindset shift, it doesn't magically make everything better. It really helps for you to know the truth. The way you judge yourself is not how other people are judging you. So that just allowed me during intimate moments, especially with the lights on, because that was like most most women, unfortunately, that I work with and we work through that as part of my coaching, they're either completely avoiding intimacy because then they have to face their body and all their insecurities that come with that. Or if they are intimate, they've got to have like a control around the lights off under the covers. And I just reminded myself he doesn't see that. And just as an example, I said to Valter, because I met him four years ago when I was tiny fitness modeling, right? And now I don't weigh myself, but the last time I did, I work in stone. I think you guys work in pounds. Okay, so let me, so one no, stone is- pounds. I think I'm now in kilos, <laughs> depending on the country. So if we're working in pounds, so it's, I'm about two and a half stone heavier. So that's about 35 pounds-ish, probably the maths are wrong, but I'm a lot bigger now than I was when I met Valter. And so the point I'm getting to is, I asked him only a year ago, how is it that when I first met you, you would say like, you're perfect, your body's perfect, you're perfect. And then now, how I am now in this body, this is the real me, he would say, you're perfect, your body's perfect, you're sexy. I said to him, how from an intellectual standpoint, that doesn't make sense. So how do you see that? And then he, he sat with it for a few seconds and then was like no you're really right it doesn't make sense and he just said I just love you like you as a person and that shifted something within me because he he understood it didn't make sense he wasn't trying to like lie or pretend or you know like I'm not saying every man does this but he wasn't trying to like make a story around it he was like yeah that doesn't make sense and all I can say is I just love who you are so we are more than our physical bodies we're our sexual energy our vibe like when you look at yourself in the mirror you're not seeing yourself smile and laugh and cry and make the funny little thing you do with your nose like you're not seeing yourself live and be who you are So a mindset shift would be, even though it doesn't solve anything, they're not judging you the way you're judging yourself. Yeah, they don't see it. And it's it's one of my favorite um, moments in the movie Eat, Pray, Love. And she's having the conversation about Naples and she wants to eat the pizza. And she her her friend is like hesitant to eat it. And she says, when you've ever been naked, in a room with a man and you're about to be intimate together mm-hmm. like has, has he ever like have you taken your clothes off and hit him ever just been like oh no <laughs> no never he's about to he's about to win the jackpot so like that's it's it's so interesting when we let these preconceived notions just come in and the beliefs of our judgment so such a powerful mindset awareness because that's the first key to change anything anyways is just yeah. becoming aware that what you're thinking the other person thinks is is not necessarily what they're thinking they're they're that's just a reflection of what you're thinking yes isn't there's that saying in therapy let me try and get this right we project what our perception is our projection that's it yeah perception is projection it's so key and once we get our head around that we can just let go of the (gasps) they're thinking that because i am like 
no, calm down. We don't know what they're thinking. Let's be really honest. Let's face like the biggest fear of all. We have no clue if they're judging us or not. They're probably judging us left, right and centre because we judge people left, right and centre. But when you just let that go and choose your own reality, because in my opinion, reality is literally an illusion depending on what you decide to see. Yes. It almost gets to like confusion, like puzzle language like that's so liberating because we get to decide what our reality is by choosing our beliefs. That's it. It's like, wow, that's so liberating. It's yeah. And, and most people don't decide on their reality because they're so stuck in their own story of mm. what they believed is true. And then they're terrified about being wrong about that story, which keeps them stuck in an old identity that's no longer serving them, nor do they, they no longer like. Yeah. I had that exactly the perfect example for that, Kimberly, is when I was in a smaller body and I was getting all this validation and all this attention, which is what I craved to feel okay because I didn't have it within myself. I could absolutely zero part of me could even believe that I could be happy in my body and in my life in a larger body. And now I'm in a larger body and I am the happiest I have ever, ever been. And if you even want to bring external validation into it, I'm still getting loads of like men messaging me and women, like that doesn't matter anymore. But to the people who are really scared to even have that as a, as a little bit of hope that it is possible for them, the stuff that you're scared of losing doesn't go away anyway. So like just have faith that it will absolutely work out. You just have to have a vision of what you want. Mm-hmm. And that is you remembering the future. Like Gina Swire is a big mentor of mine. She's a self-love expert. And she always says you're remembering the future. And I love that so much because if we have a vision, as you know, Kimberly, that's already possible for us. We've just got to take the action, aligned action step to have that vision as a reality. If we can't have the vision, it's not created yet. If we have the vision, we're remembering the future. It's already ours. We've just got to claim it and then take action and yes. claim it. And so, I love that you said aligned action. It doesn't mean like going yes. and beating yourself up at the gym to like force it, push it, control it, try to make it happen. It's already happening. It's kind of, I like to think of it like, like a baby the baby's coming. Like it wants to get out of you as bad as you want it to get out of you. Like it wants to get out into the world. So when you're in the labor process, like it's coming, there's no doubt that there is a baby that is coming and it's already there. It's just sometimes there are those surges of push, those aligned action steps that you need to take a a little action step that is in that alignment to, to yeah, push And the universe that. meets you with that. And the, 150 percent yeah you've just got to be brave enough like I love Brene's Brown one of I mean she has so many amazing quotes but one of the quotes that really stick with me courage over comfort Mm. that is one of my pure core values courage because when you're courageous you're being vulnerable when you're courageous you're being brave when you're courageous you're stepping outside of your comfort zone so it's like everything that I stand for into like one word as much as possible The other ones are love and connection. So Mm. they're my three values, love, connection, and courage. Like, I love that so much. You've got to take the first step and then people, places, and things will just be there for you, almost like a joke. It's so aligned. You've got to take that step first. Yeah, 
Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. And so, what is a an emotional step? An yes, emotional. emotional. So we've got two left: emotional and spiritual. And I'm aware of the time as well. So, emotional. Okay, so emotion is energy in motion and emotions are always communicating with us. So for example, let's take the situation we had when you were doing the mirror work or any kind of time you're getting like a body image trigger of anxiety around being judged or I don't look okay. The emotion that you feel, it comes to you as an emotion and then it turns into a feeling, which is how you start to understand it. And then you can start to explore okay, I feel this way. What is this trying to tell me? So if you feel anxious about going to a party, Christmas is coming up like a Christmas party, for example, and the anxiety feeling is there, instead of just being the anxiety, take a step back from it, notice that it's a feeling, it's not you. What is that trying to tell me? So in terms of body image, for me, when I used to feel anxiety, it was, oh my God, fear of judgment. What are they going to think of me? I'm not going to be validated. Therefore, I'm not going to be loved because we all want to be seen, heard, loved and to matter. Then you can get deeper and ask what you can learn from that emotion. So from the anxiety feeling of worrying about what other people think of you, you can decide I choose self-love and I choose to comfort myself through this feeling. I choose to reassure myself. This is a process over and over again. But the biggest thing that all ties in with emotion is to be there for yourself through all of it. Emotions can be received, felt and let go of. When we don't let go of a feeling, it becomes our like state of being. And that's when it turns into a mood. Like we have an emotion, we have a feeling, we have a mood, and then it becomes our state. But you get to choose to let go of that at any moment. And it's always communicating something with you. So just number one, be there for yourself through any emotion. Get curious if you're ready to explore what it's trying to tell you. And then choose something that empowers you because you get to choose a thought, which then creates an emotion in your body anyway. And then the spiritual, my favorite part of all, which one shall I choose for spiritual? Okay, yes, this really, really helped me. The saying that I deeply believe to my core, you are exactly where you are supposed to be in any moment. First of all, brings me so much comfort. And I believe this for each and every one of you, all of us, even if we're going through shit right now and it's so hard and we're like, why the F is this happening this is happening for me. We either get what we want or get what we need. So then you can be like, right, okay, this is happening for me. I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. This isn't what I want. How can I learn from this? What do I, am I discovering about myself? How can I grow from this? It's that ultimate surrender acceptance, life on life terms. Thank you for this gift, even though I hate it right now. Thank you anyway, because I'm going to grow from this and it's a choice. Oh, (laughs) yes. Ownership of the choice of choosing it. Like I've caught myself in that moment. I love that you said of just this, I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. And when world circumstances and whatnot start to spiral me into thoughts of anxiety i bring it back to that moment and then i make a choice and i actually i have i have a friend leah valencia key who's been on this podcast 
And she is just this light of pure joy. She's one of the most joyful human beings I've ever met in my entire life. She's so bright. And I have this, I always think of her when I, th- when I think, I bring it back to the present moment and I say, choose joy, just choose joy. And I make that a conscious, actual choice instead of it being like, well, I don't really feel like it right now. No, I, I'm not going to, I'm no longer available to walk around not feeling on a regular daily basis the way I desire my life to feel. Yeah, and that, that was is same, so powerful. It was the same thing that that changed my my relationship with my body was I just became no longer available to feel shitty about how I looked, about how I felt about my body. It wasn't even about how I looked because ultimately it really never is about the the number. It's yeah. about the feeling that that number represents. And I was no longer available to feel that way, to feel crappy about my body on a daily basis. And so with life and the world being what it is and, and ever changing, whenever I feel that, I just bring it back to that choice. So like I loved just what you said of that presence and the comfort of the present moment of knowing that there are gifts that sometimes we don't like <laughs> yeah like a really ugly sweater <laughs> and you're like I am not a fan of this <laughs> but I know this is something that I need so how do I rock this I'm gonna wear it anyway <laughs> I'm gonna wear it and rock it I love that. And that is so powerful, Kimby, what you've said, because I used to get annoyed at the start of my journey when powerful women like yourself would say, choose joy, choose happiness. And I'll be like, but how? That's stupid. (laughs) But it's possible. It's so possible. And one little extra nugget of wisdom I want to share, because I remember like yesterday what it was like to be like writing down in the dumps with how you feel about yourself if you are getting triggered and annoyed by me and Kimberly saying choose joy you have a choice that's okay I want to give you a question a reframe to ask yourself what if I accepted myself create that possibility for yourself so sometimes choosing like a really powerful affirmation creates cognitive dissonance and it's not helpful sometimes So I want you to create a tiny flickering of light at the end of that tunnel. What if I accepted my body? And then just leave that there. So if you're in the mirror and you're like, oh, all this shame, all this anxiety, if you're not in the right state of mind to go through the body blessing, just leave yourself with, what if I accepted myself? What if my body wasn't a piece of a project? What if my body wasn't a project? What if I just... I'm who I am. Just the what if creates an opening for your unconscious mind to work for you to find proof that what if I accepted myself and you're working with the law of attraction and with neuroplasticity. So it's going to help you. Mm, It's such a powerful question. I, I just have to highlight the wording and the phrasing of you said, what if I just don't treat my body like a project? And I know for my high achievers out there who are listening, who are the doers, who will do the projects and they'll knock out that to-do list. When you start accepting that, what if it doesn't need to be fixed? Like what if you're not broken, you don't need to be fixed. No. And just accepted that you're not a project. 
And that's such the paradox of the universe of like, you can, you are perfect as you are and you can be perfecting. Mm. But sometimes when we're so focused on, I'm going to perfect it, I'm going to become, I'm creating it into the being this project, we lose that balance of the grace of the universe of being able to just accept us for who we are in this moment as perfect right now for where we are, for what we're doing. Mm. It's like a tree, like I'm looking at a tree outside my window. That tree goes through all the seasons. Now it's got no leaves on it. It blossoms, it gets green leaves, it falls. That stands proud. This is who I am. The wind's going to come. The storm's going to come. I'm just going to stand here and be a tree. Like I know we're not trees, but standing in life and, you know, allowing yourself to be bent and to be and to be swaying and weather the storms of life, but standing proud in who you are, that's everything in business, in relationships, in, in everything, just being yourself and loving yourself is everything actually. And everything Everything. grows from that. Yeah. It's beautiful. Victoria, I could talk to you all day. (laughs) (laughs) I look forward to meeting you in Egypt someday. Oh, yes. I will take you around the pyramids on a horse. (laughs) Yes. Amazing. Galloping in 40 miles or kilometers? Miles. So that's even... Yeah, that's faster. That's that's really fast. Way faster. Yeah, that's really fast. Uh, It's been an honor. Like, like I said, like we get on so well, and I learn from you when you're talking, and I just love the space you hold for me when I'm sharing. Like, personal development and all this is great because we share what we also need to hear ourselves. So, like, selfishly serving others is also serving ourselves, and this is just such a beautiful world to be in. Like. Thank you. Oh, thank you for, for all your wisdom and for what you brought today to this space. So I'm ready to get into a little rapid fire. Are you? Oh, yeah. I'm going to have a sip of water. Let's go. Let's go. So who is your favorite female character in a book or a movie and why? Okay. So I watched Aladdin, the new Aladdin recently. And Princess Jasmine, you know the song she sings in the new Aladdin? I can't think what the song yeah, is Speechless. Called. Speechless. I literally had tears in my eyes when she was singing that. The reason I chose her is because she lives for the people. She lives of service to the world like you and I. And she's refusing to stay quiet, even though everything and everybody around her, from a place of love, trying to protect her, is trying to keep her small, she's not accepting that and she's going to be heard. So Princess Jasmine. What is your favorite book? Oh, wow. Okay, this has really put me on the spot. I have so many. I'm going to go really spiritual. You may have heard of this, Ask and It Is Given no. by Abraham Hicks. Oh, Abraham. oh Abraham, Abraham Hicks. Yeah asking it is given it's it's like the it's it's a different not a different context but it's a law of attraction manifestation we are we attract what we believe about ourselves and that is just so key it's physics no one can even argue that it's quantum physics we get to create our own life it's taking responsibility so that's really there's so many learnings in there for me Mm. what woman would you want to trade places with just for a day like be in their body feel their beliefs, like see how they see the world. 
Regan Hillier, have you heard of Regan? Yes. I'm in her training and her as a woman, as a leader, again, of service, she's always serving, but she stands in her power of, I know who the fuck I am and I deserve this. But at the same time, she's got such a big heart of service to others and her life and her lifestyle. She travels all the time. Yeah, her. (laughs) Awesome. What do you define to be your kingdom? Myself. And let me explain this, because spending most of my life looking for something outside of me to save me, even from a concept of my relationship with my mom, it was so codependent. Like I felt like I needed her to be safe and be okay. Then I put that onto different partners and even the partner I'm with today. When I realized that you don't need a place or a person, we need those things as humans. But when you have yourself and your connection to the divine or goddess, whoever created us, whoever we, you know, whoever that is, that's my kingdom to me. I am my kingdom and my connection to source. And so wherever I go, whatever happens to me, I'm going to be okay because I've got me. Mm-hmm. And that's like very emotional to me right now because I don't think I'd ever have said that ever. But I'm there and that's beautiful. That's amazing. <laughs> amazing. Lastly, how do you crown yourself? By honoring my emotions and by leading an alignment with my values, which is very hard as a recovering people pleaser. If something comes to me and I know it will make them happy, but actually it's out of alignment with my business values or my values as a person, I'm going to choose me. And I'm going to honor the emotional discomfort that comes up and be there for myself. Self-compassion, it sounds so simple. That has changed my whole entire life. When I was binge eating, love myself anyway. When I did something wrong or bad or that I disapproved of, and why did I do that? Love myself anyway. Like self-compassion is everything to me. So self-compassion and living true to my values. That's how I crown myself every damn day. (laughs) Every damn day. Victoria, how do we work with you? Where do we find you? How do our glorious fellow sovereigns come and enter into the kingdom that is you? Yes, I would love for you to join my world. So I have a few different ways that you can work with me. The most powerful way is one-to-one coaching. It's an application-only process. And it's not a sales call. It's whether I want to work with you and whether you want to work with me and if coaching's right for you. So that's like the high-end level of investment. Then I have my group coaching. I am obsessed with my group. It's an intimate um an intimate group there's not like hundreds of women in there so we really get intimate together and that's a six month container and every month we have a coaching call I'm in the private space every day we have a private weekly podcast that where I answer their questions and that is open always it's and you get the um my food and body freedom queen online program for lifetime access that's all of me, audios, videos, journaling prompts, worksheets, workbooks, there's 14 modules jam-packed. That's like um, an option to work with me. And then if that's not aligned for you, I have my podcast. 
which Kimberly has been on. So please check that out. Everything I'm sure will be linked below. That's Break Free from Binge Eating with Victoria Kleinsman. And anywhere on social media, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, it's Victoria Kleinsman. The E is before the I. So it's not the English spelling of I before E. It's the other way around. And we will say hi. Oh, yes. And I, your Instagram is amazing. I, I love following you on Instagram. It's it's glorious. You are so joyful and you so fully expressed. So I highly recommend all of those resources. Definitely click the links in the description. And as always, my fellow sovereigns, own your throne, mind your business because your reign is now. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If what you heard resonated with you, be sure to subscribe and share your breakthroughs and ahas with me by leaving a review on iTunes so I can keep the magic flowing your way. And if you aren't already following us on social media, come experience the extra inspiration and queenly convos on Instagram at crownyourselfnow or visit our website at crownyourself.com. I am so excited to connect with you in the next episode. And in the meantime, go out there and create a body, business, and life that rules.